Hello, everybody, and welcome here to season two of the Blue Hens Blitz podcast with the sports staff of WVUD. I am Patrick Report, sports director, alongside my fellow colleague and the sports editor for the review, Connor Metz. We are glad to be back here on the podcast for the fall 2021 season. Myself and Connor have not seen each other in a while as well. So before we get into stuff real quick, as always, just Connor, it's good to see you again. How you go? How you doing today? Doing good. I can't believe the summer is almost over and school's ramping up and that means football's ramping up, but I've been doing good. Um, just got last day of work off today. So I'll have a bit of free time before school starts and everything and excited for the season. Um, excited for football to come back at all levels. Um, so it's a great time of the year. And fun fact about Connor, he is actually a member of the marching band. So he, for home games at least, will be in the stands, not in the broadcast booth or covering the game, but still, obviously, he'll be at the games watching them, giving us his, probably the people around him, some great analysis as well, because I know they get into it over there in the marching band, being alumni of that myself. But anyway, so just a few things before we get into some news and then some uh, breakdowns just of the preseason and our thoughts on the team this year, just some housekeeping stuff real quick. This year, the podcast will be with WVUD and will be aired on all of WVUD's streaming platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Cannot Speak, Breaker, and Anchor. Uh, we will have a few episodes in the next few weeks uh, in the month of August leading up to Delaware's away road opener against Maine on September 2nd, that Thursday. So as I said, you can find this podcast streaming on any of those platforms I just listed as well as updates and links to each episode on WVUD Sports Twitter page, which is at WVUD Sports, as well as the review's website, udreview.com. With that said, we'll get into some quick news real quick before we talk about the Hens and their season, upcoming season. Uh, obviously, Blue Hens training camp began on August 1st, and as I just said, they will play Maine on Thursday, September 2nd in Maine. Delaware recently was ranked 5th in the stat, performed top 25 polls on August 9th, and before that, in late July, voted second in the CAA preseason poll behind James Madison. Uh, they earned seven first place votes. So the Blue Hens will be ranked fifth in the nation uh, heading into this upcoming season. Along with that, some uh, number, cha- number changes coming with the roster as well. Uh, notably, Chase McGowan goes from 54 to 12. And defensive back Joe Zubalaga goes from number 41 to number zero. Then other names, including linebacker Jared Duncan, is switching to number 13. Defensive back Christian Pierce, number 18. Tight end LaVon Lewis to number 11. And running back Christian Pierce to number 20, as well as Andrew McClaus, the tight end, to number 85. And where we'll jump in now, though, some of the most recent and probably most important pieces of news in the past couple weeks uh, reported by Kevin Tresolini of the News Journal. Carter Lynch is off the roster as reported and confirmed. Uh, he was the starting right guard for the Blue Hens last year um, and really was a key piece along that offensive line. Missed some time late in the year to, due to some injuries, but still a loss for the Blue Hens. So we'll start there. And I guess you can hop in on this, Connor. You know, that frees up a spot um, on the line if he's indeed not returning. So just give me your thoughts on who you think you could see get some time at guard uh, you know, early parts of the season and just throughout the season as a whole. Yeah, I think kind of the obvious guy is James Prince because he's a junior and he's upperclassman here. Um, but the, and then the other two people I would put there that you could see taking reps and then once the season starts starting at right guard or getting like um, some time in, whether they do like by committee at guard and see who works well, I would say uh, Blaze Sparks. They just got him. He's a transfer red for, 
redshirt freshman, pretty unlikely probably. And then Patrick Shop, um, another redshirt freshman. Um, I believe he's the biggest of all the guards right now. Um, so it's likely you could see him in there at right guard um, with Lynch's departure. Um, it's a, it's, it kind of it sucks because Lynch was going to be a starter on this line. I know he had a bunch of injury problems last year, and I, um, there's really no reason unless I missed it as to why he's off the team. Um, well, one could say it's injury, but who knows? But he's had a lot of injury history, but it does um, it, it hurts losing him. But in terms of who I see taking his place, I see probably Prince or Patrick Shupp. And I would lean to Prince just because he has experience um, with the team. You know, Prince is an interesting one. He was the Howard uh, transfer coming over last year. I think Shupp might, you know, edge that out. Uh, I've been able to make camp actually two days this week, Monday and Wednesday. And they had Shupp starting at right guard uh, there in the spot of Lynch. Uh, really, I remember last year, Coach Rocco talked about uh, how impressed he was with his freshman class. And Patrick Shupp is a true sophomore entering this year. I uh, was a freshman last year and he got playing time along the line, rotated a lot. Um, so I think he is a very, very interesting piece that could be on this uh, front uh, line and rotate in and out. Or if he can solidify that spot, given that he has had an opportunity, at least in camp, to get a spot uh, at right guard in the starting job. Um, and another name that you could bring up as well, and he played uh, as well uh, in the absence of Lynch, was Bradley on Wanyu, uh, 6'3", 305 at Dover High School. Uh, he started in both play in two of the playoff games this spring, uh, played in all eight games, kind of similar uh, to Shup. He's got a little bit more experience than him, um, but still another name to be interested in and definitely watch uh, moving forward in camp. And you mentioned, uh, Connor, the other name, Blaze Sparks, and we'll get into that as well as he uh, transferred over from Illinois, along with running back Joseph Bruno out of Penn State. Um, both uh, were on the initially not on the field last week uh, once they transferred, but they were on the field Wednesday getting some reps. Um, so just, you know, your, what are your thoughts? You talk a little bit about Sparks, but give me what your thoughts are on the addition of Bruno uh, and the, the meaning to this team, considering the fact that they have a very deep running back room already. Yeah, I think it's a, Big time addition just to bolster the running backs. Um, of course, you have Spruill who backs up Dejan Lee, and then uh, Van Damia who kind of didn't get much playing time aside from the packages with um, Anthony Paletti last year in the red zone. So I'm honestly kind of interested to see how much they play Van Damia and um, compared to Spruill. Say I think Spruill's pretty much the solidified backup, and then. Uh, so I'm interested to see Bruno versus Van Damia, how much Bruno rises up the depth chart. I don't know much about him, um, but being from Penn State, um, I think he can contribute to this team, but I'll, I'll definitely have to keep an eye on him, um, kind of out of the know on him at all. But I think it's good that they're uh, seeking to sign running backs. It's kind of an injury-prone position, and the position where you want to have a committee, especially um, in the college game, you want to have someone who you can run a lot, someone who can pass block, someone who can pass catch. Um, you don't really need a bell cow. And I think it's good that uh, the Blue Ends kind of have that in their backfield. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the addition of Bruno to the running backfield, um, I don't know how much of it just adds depth. Um, as we saw last year, Dejon Lee was a the, the go-to back for this team, um, really made an impact there. I think Corey Sproul was an interesting, uh, you know, number two guy that they went with as well. I um, mean, his ability to kind of play that power role in the running game behind the offensive line. I think, though, that that Bruno will definitely compete for some touches. I mean, coming out of Penn State, he plays mainly on special teams, but still he was able to to get some touches there, some playing time in Penn State. 
he was a track star back at Mechanicsburg High School um, in PA. So I really think his addition, it will, it will just have to wait and see. Obviously, he needs to get up to speed um, comparatively to guys like Corey Spool, Dejan Lee, as we mentioned, and there's some other names in there as well to definitely compete with uh, Matteo Vandemia. Um, and then the addition of Blaze Sparks, I think, is another depth, uh, depth piece there at minimum. I mean, we saw last year Ben Trent got time, uh, kind of similar situation coming from a bigger school in uh, Virginia over to Delaware. Uh, Sparks coming from Illinois. So you, you could definitely see possibly Sparks getting time, especially now with, as you said, and as you talked about, the um, the loss of Carter Lynch. But that's definitely an interesting interesting uh, thing to watch moving forward. I know uh, Sparks got some time with the twos uh, on uh, Wednesday. Uh, so Thursday and Friday will definitely be interesting to see if he can get some more time and where he stands and if they give him, excuse me, any opportunity to go with the ones at one point uh, during this next week or just the rest of camp as a whole, as there's still a few weeks left of training camp. Um, but that in mind, we're going to switch over to just some training camp op observations I've had real quick over the past few days uh, with the team on Monday. It was the defense that really shined. Um, they were in pads on Monday um, and really just in both seven on seven and 11 on 11 uh, was just aggressive in the secondary down the field really locking down, it felt like, a lot of those Delaware wide receivers and a lot of contested, uh, even when Nolan Henderson or any quarterback put the ball down the field, there was always a contest for the football. And especially with the ones, Henderson was scrambling a lot. And it seemed, especially in seven-on-seven, seven, I mean, you have no no blitzers, none of that stuff going on. Uh, he seemed like he was definitely trying to buy some time for his receivers. So that shows that coverage there in the secondary uh, with that that back seven really, really affecting um, um, the, Nolan Henderson in the offense. That's something you want to see out of a defense that we saw last year really step up and serve to be as one of the better, if not one of the best uh, defenses in the FCS. Um, and then one note from Wednesday was Noah Plack was in an ankle brace and did not practice. Um, but that in mind, to talk about the defense, uh, I want to get into kind of just some of our breakout candidates uh, for the fall uh, this upcoming year. And for this defense, and as we talked about, a defense that was one of the better ones in the conference and in the FCS uh, last spring. So you can start first, Connor. Give me one of your, I will say, two uh, breakout candidates for this year uh, on this defense. Uh, the first one I'll go with is Nick Coomer um, on the defensive line. He had a pretty good year last year as a freshman. He's coming back as a sophomore. And I'm really looking for the line as a whole to improve. And from what I Every game I watched last season, he was always making plays. Um, McGowan, of course, had a huge year, but I think Kuma's a breakout candidate that can really like raise a level, um, get some recognition, um, play more starting time, um, have a higher percentage of time on the field and everything. So Kuma would be my first, just because you know the D line is kind of not underrated, but they're under the radar because they don't, they're not the main part of this defensive success. But I see Kuma last year. As he had a big year, I think he can have an even better year in his sophomore season. Yeah, that's one thing about the Delaware uh, defense is that their their front front three they don't bring a lot of uh, f pressure up front. They play a lot in coverage. They'll play you know they'll play five in the secondary at times. They'll play three safeties as we saw. But you know Nick Coomer is one of those guys that you talked about. I mean, he had a total of nineteen tackles. Uh, and they like to rotate a lot of guys around there on a the defensive line, especially on the inside. I uh, had four uh, tackles for losses for 23 yards and he had two sacks as well. I, I think that's a, that is a guy that I kind of, when I was going over this was one, something one that I was thinking about just because of that, 
you know, he's young and that whole defensive line is very young as well. There's no real, you know, maybe Frank Burton might be one of the guys you could say is one of the veterans on that line. But, you know, Nick Coomer was one of the guys last, last year that I thought impressed, especially down the stretch as they entered the uh, the playoffs. Um, and I'll stay on the line, though, with my, one of my guys. I got to go with Chase McGowan. You could argue he had a breakout year last year in the spring, which is fair. Uh, he went from one sack in 2019, the five sacks uh, back in the fall or in the spring of 2021. And I felt like he really just, you know, this team didn't really have last spring going into it. At least it seemed like a guy that could rush the quarterback and not saying that they need to rush the quarterback that much and, you know, get all these sacks uh, when you have a secondary that can play so well and a back seven guys when you have five in the secondary playing dime or nickel. Um, but at the same time, that's how they like to play at Delaware. But adding a guy who now can come in and produce, he had five sacks on the year and, you know, just get to the quarterback. That's something that you always need in college football or in football in general, honestly. And that was something that I thought, you know, was really what the team needed last spring. I came in thinking that they needed to win on the lines um, and the defensive line played, played well last year and they did, they did their job. And I think Chase McGowan has the, the impact and the ability to, to impact the game. And in a full season, I think he is going to be the leading sack, uh, have the lead the team in sacks um, just because of that experience and that growth we've seen from 2019 to 2021. Um, you know, you pair him alongside an artist Hemingway and Nick Coomer, um, those guys don't get after the quarterback as much. Um, so I'd say McGowan is definitely one to look out for, especially in terms of rushing the quarterback and putting pressure on opposing uh, opposing offenses. Yeah, I think McGowan's like, uh, he's going to get the majority of the pressures and sacks for them. Other guys clear up the lane for him. So I think that's a good pick. I was thinking about him. Um, I was also thinking like, I didn't want to like take a cop out here, but I think my second guy is going to be Colby reader. It's not like the typical breakout candidate, but he, you know, he came back last year after his injury. I'm pretty sure I saw a Kevin Tresselini treat um, from the tweet from the news journal raving about him in the camp and everything. And I think if he plays a full schedule this year, he'll be a star on this defense and he can actually play to his full potential for once people will see it, he'll get the recognition from the conference and, um, around the FCS. So I kind of think he's my second guy. Um, also was considering, I think my other two guys, McGowan, um, I stayed off him. I thought Kuma was more of a breakout on the line. And then I was also considering Liam Trainer. Um, I know there's uh, the linebacking core is pretty deep, not quite sad. I'm not sure what you, you've seen in camp on who's working with the ones and twos, but I think Trainer had a really good year last year from what I saw. And he could be a good breakout if he gets um, the majority of the starts and snaps this season. Yeah, that is definitely an interesting, uh, both of those. I actually, Colby Reed was one of the guys that I had thought about and have highlighted, but I will not use. I mean, he had 51 tackles in 2018, um, didn't play at all in 2019. And then that was 2018 was his first year with the team. That's, that's impressive stuff. And he had 17 tackles in just five games coming off that injury he had. And he's one of the most experienced guys on the defense, I'd say. I mean, He's, already, he's bolstering a linebacking core that already has very, as you just stated, has a lot of depth in Johnny Buchanan, Anthony Toro, Liam Trainer. Um, you know, this team really could use him because we saw at the end of the year, even in a limited role that he had, he definitely had an impact on the defense. Um, and Liam Trainer is another one there that I think is an interesting pick and definitely one of those guys that is more of a classic kind of breakout candidate in a way. Obviously, it might be hard for him to get as many reps as he got uh, earlier in the year just because of that injury that uh, uh, was sustained by Reader, and he was in that limited role. But I think that's definitely a guy you could see if he can start, if he can produce and 
put his name in the mix. That is definitely a guy that I think Delaware could utilize on the, in the linebacking core. I'm going to go into the secondary though. Um, and a name that arguably, once again, you could say broke out last year as well, but I'm going to go with this is Andrew Pulowski as one of the three starting safeties on the, in, on the defense playing at the cat role or the cat position. Um, I mean, he had 35 tackles uh, uh, on the team last year. That was third uh, among all uh, defensive players. And even with a lot of talent in the secondary, I think, you know, he's going to just keep keep helping this defense out. You already have Kedrick Whitehead. You have a Noah Plaque when he's healthy. And, I mean, even we saw last year with the corners in the play of Nigel Hill in particular was very impressive. Um, but Andrew Pulaski has the ability, I think, to really solidify himself if he has not already, which you could argue he has as one of the the top guys, you know, on this on this in this secondary and a guy that can play this, one of the three safety spots and really help this team out um, going forward when you pace, face teams uh, possibly later in the year like a JMU or even possibly if you do make it that far into the playoffs. So I think Andrew Pulowski has the chance to be one of those guys that will solidify himself because he kind of came out of the blue last year in a way. I don't think there was a few guys really you can make the argument for just on the team in general. They, they came, they didn't do a lot to really didn't play at all their, fr- their first year or in 2019. Um, and he was one of those guys that really made an impact uh, on that defense and helped them get, you know, to those, the semifinals and South Dakota State. Um, and another guy that I was thinking maybe was Artis Hemingway, kind of the opposite of uh, a um, Chase McGowan, more of a guy who's going to stuff the run, play inside at the defensive tackle spot. We had 24 total tackles with five for a loss and two sacks. So obviously with McGowan, with McGowan coming off the edge, you want a, a run stopper along that line. Um, and I think he is one of those guys that definitely could do that and keep improving uh, throughout his Delaware career. Um, but to flip that around, though, on the offensive side, in terms of Monday, didn't have the best game or best uh, performance, obviously. A few drop passes, seemed like there was some miscommunications. Coaching staff was getting on them at times. Uh, but Wednesday, even though there's no pads, the offense did look better. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot more. They were working more on fundamentals. Uh, ball security was definitely one of them. Um, one note was Jordan Townsend had a nice leaping catch over Kedrick Whitehead and sent it on seven. Um, and then Gene Coleman as well did not practice on Wednesday. He was also spotted on the bike uh, during practice. Um, but with that in mind, I guess we're going to just go to the same sort of thing, you know, some breakout candidates for this offense in the fall, because last year we saw with this team, it was a lot of, it seemed at times the team could run the football, didn't have the most success in the passing game, and towards the end of the year it kind of flipped. We saw that the running game wasn't getting going as much, but the passing attack was really starting to take off, especially in that Villanova game is one that I can think of in particular. So, you know, kind of give me give me some breakout candidates you, th- you could think and we can kind of talk about just for the offensive side of the football, you know, heading into the, uh, the fall. Yeah, you mentioned him. I'm big on Jordan Townsend. I think he's going to get a lot of looks this year. Um, compared to last year, even with Coleman and Pitt still there. I think Townsend gets a lot of looks um, because I believe, like, I mean, watching him through last year, I think he played well, got open when he needed to, um, and then just hearing about him in camp. um, But I am kind of nervous. I'll make him one of my picks. I am kind of nervous about that because you have Brett Buckman coming in um, who could kind of share time as that third wide receiver, um, third most targeted or whatever. so it's kind of a, a conf- not a, it's a confusing wide receiver core. Um, I think Gene Coleman could have a really good year. He stepped it up at the end of last year. I'm not going to call him a breakout since he led the team in receiving, but I think uh, it was clear like Pitts was the number one focus of opposing defenses, and Coleman really stepped up. Was a really good possession wide receiver at the end of last year. 
So it's kind of tough to pick, but I think Townsend is my first pick um, to be a breakout. I'm going to go opposite of you. You said the name Brett Buckman, I think, could also be a breakout candidate there on that offense. Um, just watching him in camp, at least the two days that I was there, especially today, he was going with the ones at times. And in seven on sevens, you know, he had they moved in the field house, actually, at one point, uh, the second half of practice. And at one point in seven on sevens, they had him running the first team offense and he they connected with him three straight times. And he was he made a toe tap catch on the sideline one of those times. He looked really solid. Um, and I think definitely he's going to have a shot at least to compete for that uh, that third spot and that starting spot uh, on the wide receiving uh, core. Because really, you look after Pitts and Coleman, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, I don't want to say uncertainty, but there is more room to, to, put, to put someone else in that position rather than you say at the linebacking core or even run, run the running back spot where you have, you know, two guys in Lee and Sproul at the running backs or the linebackers in the secondary where you have three, four, even you could say five deep uh, at those positions. I think this is one of those positions on this team where there's a little bit of more flexibility. And I think Brett, Brett Buckman has that ability. He didn't get a lot of touches last year. He had six uh, touches from only 74 yards on the year. Uh, yeah. He, he had a good play against Jacksonville state uh, one reception for 20 uh, decently deep ball, 27 yards down the field, but obviously not a lot of a sample size there. Um, so, but you never know what you can get. And especially once you get into game action, if, if he's looking good in camp, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, we see, we do get some, some of Brett Buckman. And I think also though, you know, they played Jordan Townsend. They kind of, they, they played both of them last year. Townsend got more reps, got more touches, um, and yards overall. But I think there's a chance that we could see those guys split some time, um, just with, because also, you know, you have a Coleman and a Pitts, and if you want to run the ball, you might want to, you know, put in an extra tight end or run 12 per 12 personnel or such, and not really focus that much on passing the football. Um, but I'll stick with mine. My second guy, actually, we talked about him earlier, is Patrick Shupp, because I feel like this guy could, you know, be that replacement for Carter Lynch. And and just from how Coach Rocco talked about him and his freshman class in particular last spring, really, I felt like he he is one of the guys that I think is the future of this team in terms of that line. And we all know if you can, if you can win the line of scrimmage, you can, you can, you can win games. And we saw that last year with this team. And I think Patrick Shupp has that ability. And I think he has the, the, he's got, has the, some experience now to do that. And you really don't see, you know, a, a true freshman on an offensive line come in and get reps um, and get playing time in his first year. And he did exactly that. And I think that's a very, you know, promising sign heading into the second year. And now he has a spot to possibly earn a starting job, you know, along the offensive line and really bolster a line that at times last year, you know, when it was on and when it was, when it was doing its job was really able to move opposing defenses back and allow them to eat Delaware to either run the football or, you know, drop back with Nolan Henderson and look down the field for a Pitts, a Coleman, a Bryce Damali. So I think that is another guy right there in Patrick Shupp that really could have a breakout year just because he has that opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think uh, Shupp is probably the biggest breakout candidate on the line. I was kind of looking at it and I couldn't really pick anyone. Um, I haven't, like, I don't know much about Shupp. I don't know how he's looking in camp and everything. And there, it's kind of all up in flux after Carter Lynch left. And then I looked at the RBs and I think there's just it's kind of too stacked there to be, um, a typical breakout, at least when you look at like stats and um, how much they're playing. 
Um, my second guy will be the starting tight end, Bryce Damale. I think with how game flow is going to go this year, I don't think Delaware will be up as much. They won't be running the ball as much. I think Damale is going to get more involved because they're going to um, be facing tougher, t- tougher competition. Of course, you have 12 games in the season now. So I think he gets more involved. Um, kind of a weird breakout candidate since he is a senior and everything, but I think he gets more um then it is two touchdown. Um, I think the ratio of touchdowns to games will be higher. I think he's more involved in this offense. Um, I think there'll be some attention on Pitts and Coleman that does them all I, um, get more looks, especially in the red zone. Um, I think Henderson grew to really like him as a target last year. And um, tight ends have never really been super relevant on Delaware, at least in the recent history. But I think Demali could have a good year, especially in the red zone and everything. So he's my number two guy. Um, I think he'll be probably the third leading receiver on this team behind Pitts and Coleman, um, like he was last year. But I just think in general, this pass and offense, um, there will be more volume because I think they'll be coming from behind or playing close games more often. Yeah, that's, a, that's another one right there. I felt like, you know, Nolan Henderson, the 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 cliche about tight ends is that security blanket. You know, it's a guy you can just dump the ball off and get four or five yards from. And as we saw at times last year, he has the ability to make plays down the field. Um, you know, I feel that him and Damali could serve as that purpose. And we mentioned this guy just a few minutes ago and Gene Coleman in terms of just his ability. You know, he led the team and led the whole CAA in receptions last year with 44 receptions. The next highest was Dyrick Pitts with 29. So, you know, that to me, at least that shows the connection that Henderson and 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 Coleman had last year and to serve as a guy that's reliable. We all know Thyric Pitts can make plays down the field. Um, and has the ability to be that big, deep, big play threat. Um, but as you as you mentioned, we saw at times last year, Pitts was teams were focusing on Thyric Pitts. They were double covering him, um, really not having them beat him, um, not having him beat them. Excuse me. Um, but I would say that Gene Coleman is another one. Obviously, I don't really you don't want to really say a breakout because you he is already one of the top guys on this wide receiving core for sure. Um, but a guy that I think could have a huge year, given that you have now a full 12 game schedule. Cause that's, that's the one thing. I mean, him and Pitts had a really productive year last year. Pitts was just over 500 yards. Um, I can fact check that. And then I know Coleman was just over 400. Um, so you put that in a 12 game regular season schedule. Um, I think both of them have the ability to go for possibly six, seven, 800 yards um, with just the, the, the emphasis probably on passing the ball, maybe a little bit more, um, depending on if you can get the running game going and depending on what you can do with the offensive line, because at times, as we saw last year, that rushing attack uh, slowed down at times and really, really struggled. And in, and in the end, hurt them a little bit uh, towards the end of the year, especially in that last game against uh, South Dakota State. Yeah, I think that this year, the big emphasis has to be on continuing the success of the running game. Uh, it tailed off completely last season. But there's no guarantees ever, especially when offensive lines are bound to be beaten up. So I think you're right, um, Patrick, that this wide receiving core will get a lot of looks. Um, there will be more passing than there was last year. I mean, you just kind of look at their schedule. I mean, I don't want to say it, but they had a pretty easy start to last season. I mean, you look at how the teams that they played ended up, their records um, and everything. I mean, it started off with Maine, who we thought was going to be kind of a top contender, and they really weren't. Um, so they played a lot, a lot of blowout games, easy games where they're up in the fourth quarter. That's not going to be the case this season. Um, if they can get the O-line to play at their best as they did last season for some, then 
who knows, I might be wrong, but I I think that they'll be passing the ball more. Um, there's going to be a reliance on Henderson. He's the playmaker of this offense. They're going to want to put it in his hands. When you have a 12-game schedule, you, they're going to need him to work at least a few games a lot. It's just how it's going to go when you're playing a JMU that you didn't play last year, Rutgers you didn't play last year. So I think this team will be passing more on average this season. So I think you're right that this passing offense, all the receivers and targets um, will get more looks this year compared to last. And just to go back on the fact check, uh, Thyric Pitts had 29 receptions for 451 yards while Gene Coleman had uh, 44 receptions for 433. But the point on Henderson, I think is true too. And I think, I did think we saw Nolan Henderson take a step uh, forward in progressing. And I think we both can agree with that. I mean, there were times last year where he played outstanding. I think back to the Villanova game in particular, that last game of the year, they need, uh, they need, they, you want to win to really just solidify yourself in the playoffs, um, whether it was an at-large or eventual conference champion as they were. Um, I think back to that game in particular, really just was able to pass the ball so efficiently. Um, And I think that is something we will see more of with Nolan Henderson. I think this is his, the next step in his progression as a quarterback. Um, the one thing, obviously, that is pending is his ability to stay healthy. Um, you know, we saw at times he just isn't able to stay on the field, partially because you know he'll go, he'll he'll try and run, he'll run uh, and try and make a play with his legs. And we've seen at times he's taken some hits to come out of the game. He came out um, against uh, South Dakota State. I uh, missed some time back in 2019 um, when he came in for Pat Kehoe. Um, so really, I think in terms of the quarterback play, which is something that is talked about a lot it feels like just in football in general um Nolan Henderson you know as he's talked about if they're going to pass the ball more he's going to have to play well and I think I think that is very likely uh looking at him and his play last year especially the progression because you saw each game it felt like he was getting a little bit more comfortable um and then kind of West they got into the playoffs um didn't have the best game against Sacred Heart decent against Jacksonville State and then obviously I was out um, for the rest, really most the South Dakota state game really just was all around just the team team loss. But I think Henderson has the ability this year to really solidify himself and show that he is one of the better quarterbacks and most well-rounded quarterbacks in the CAA, um, which is a a league that has good quarterbacks when you look around it. Um, So just give me your thoughts on Henderson, because I know when we were at the media day, you were able to ask a question about him. Um, and kind of his how he's doing just kind of talk about your thoughts on what you want to see with Nolan Henderson yeah coach Rocker said his recovery is going well he's involved in camp and everything and he really emphasized that this team does have to keep him healthy this year whether that be the O-line or Nolan himself so I think it kind of falls everywhere it falls on the coaching staff it falls on uh, Nolan making sure he protects himself and then the O-line making sure they do their job of course Coach Rocco talked about them being careful with Nolan, just giving him the rest he needs and all that stuff as he recovered from the injury. Um, but it seems like all is well there for now. But, of course, nothing replicates game action except game action. So there's no preseason here. Once they get into that first game, we're going to see if he can protect himself, if the O-line can protect him. And that's going to be critical. Uh, I think that depends that this team rolls with how the O-line protects Henderson this year and how Henderson protects himself when he's running and if he's sliding or if he's not sliding. So that is my number one thing I'm looking for this year. And it, I, I, I'm confident in Nolan taking the next step, 
but um, even I would put more onus on him just being healthy and being available. I say it's more important that he's available this season for the majority of it than taking the next step. Obviously, you want to see him improve and everything, but I mean, he can improve for a couple games and get hurt and he's out and, you know, it, the benefit really isn't there. So I hope the, uh, the focus is on his health, um, his protection, and then go from there in terms of him, him improving, because if he's not in the field, you're not going to see that progress. So that's kind of where I'm at with him is I will be looking for um, safety from him and him protecting himself and the O-line protecting him. Um, of course, going to be watching his play and everything, but I think he's going to be fine. He played great last year. He's a veteran on this team. So availability is the number one concern, in my opinion. That is very true. And before we end this episode real quick, I just want to ask you this, Connor. We won't break down the whole schedule, but, you know, obviously there the schedule was released a while back. We might have talked about this last year in the spring. I honestly forget. I'm kind of switched topics here, but just something to, to end the podcast. But looking at the schedule, you know, give me the one team that you look forward to to seeing this Delaware team play the most uh, heading into the 2021 fall. See, I could say Rutgers, but – I think this is going to be a fun game just because they don't play teams like that. But I'm going to say Villanova because I want to see how Villanova comes out after last year's loss. They're not used to losing to Delaware, like at all. Delaware is used to losing to Nova. So I really want to see Nova come out, um, see how they – of course, it's going to depend on how they do in the season. It's the final game of the season. But assuming they're you know in contention for the playoffs or they're just a generally good team as they usually are, I want to see if they come out with a vengeance on the road at Delaware, if they get revenge for last year's battle of the blue blunder they had, where they basically blew their playoff chances. Um, And then I want to see how Delaware comes out um, after beating them last year, if they have uh, newly found confidence that they can beat this team year in, year out. Um, So I think that's the game I'm most looking forward to. It's the last game. It's a while away. Uh, of course, you have other games on the schedule, like the JMU game that we didn't see last year. But I, I really want to see the Nova game. It's a rivalry game, and I think the stakes could be high. And I'm just really interested to see how Nova's team hand, handles it, not even how the Blue Hens handle it. I'm, I want to see how Nova comes out to that game after losing for them for the first, first time in a while. There might be some bad blood, too, between the two teams now as there's some altercations towards the end of the, that game last year uh, at Villanova um, definitely will be interesting to watch. I got to go with the JMU game. Obviously you could go with Rutgers. Um, that game will, will be fun. Definitely for sure. Um, but JMU, you haven't seen them in, in two years now. Um, they knocked you out of the playoffs two years ago. And you know, this Delaware team's improved since then and you're at home on homecoming. I mean, what more, what better option can you get? You know, playing one of the best teams in the conference, the best team, I would say, in the preseason, at least, in the conference, and arguably one of the best teams in the FCS. Um, really, you know, if you're, if you're in a position where you're, you know, you've won most of your games heading into that, that game, that's a huge game for you because that proves that's a real, that's a real stepping stone or a, 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 I forget the word, but that's a stepping stone in a way for your team to really see where you're at against one of the best in the conference. And if you can compete with one of the better teams, you know, in that conference, uh, that game is on October 23rd at 3 PM. The Nova game, as Connor mentioned, is the last game of the year at on November 20th at 1 PM. Both of those will be broadcasted with the sports crew of WVUD sports on FM or the basement. Um, You can listen to those games. Then those are wild out though. Um, But regardless, that's really all we got today uh, with the WVUD sports crew. 
Um, as I said, you can find our podcast on major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breako, Breaker, Radio Public, and uh, Pocket Cast, as well as links to each episode on WVUD Sports' Twitter page at WVUD Sports and the review website, which is udreview.com. Um, but for that, we will get, see, talk to you guys really soon um, with some more just preseason content heading up to September 2nd on Thursday, which will also be broadcast on WVUD, uh, FM, or The Basement. Um, but with that said, for myself and Connor, we will talk to you guys very soon.